Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, yes, this is the program for you if you need a work overhaul. You know, I want to further qualify that. If you're an artist, a thought leader, free thinker, singer, poet, writer, speaker, musician, actor, dancer, creative, rule bender, entrepreneur. Hey, if you fit in any of those categories, stick around. You're at the right place. This is where we take 48 minutes each week and go through real life questions from uh, you, the listeners, and from my own experience as well, which is continuing to always open up new opportunities, new ideas, new questions. But we're going to be looking at some of those questions today. This is episode number 224 of the 48 Days On Demand Radio. Theme for today is still looking for perfection. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Somebody says, thank goodness I just lost my six-figure job, but now I'm afraid. How can I make money and still be in ministry? Hey, let's just go to that. We parked there all day long. Dan, how can I separate myself from the competition in carpet cleaning? Can I reapply to a company that said no once before? How about this one, man? I love this question. Can I buy a Porsche and rent it out to cover the cost of owning it? Now, there's a novel idea. We'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. Well, here's a quotation. Actually, it's, it's just from me today. No big name. It's just from me. But, you know, I keep coming up against this idea of perfectionism again and again and again, where people say, well, I don't just have it quite right yet. You know, I'm not quite ready to release it. I'm not quite ready to ask for my first coaching client. I'm not quite ready to sell that first piece of art not quite ready to start a blog. I'm not quite ready to submit a manuscript to a publisher. And you know what happens? Weeks, months, and years go by. Well, here's my quotation. I've been stewing on this for a while. Perfectionism is not as much the desire for excellence as it is the fear of failure couched in procrastination. Now, just think about that for a little bit. I, I ran it by Joanne today. She says, oh, my gosh, I want to share that with my artist group. So it seemed to resonate with her. I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I just want us to look at this idea of perfectionism. Is it really a desire for excellence? Well, again, let me run that by and then we'll move on. Again, my quotation for the day coming from me is perfectionism is not as much the desire for excellence as it is the fear of failure couched in procrastination. Think about it. Let me know what you think. Well, here's some success stories. We always start off with some success stories. No lack of those. Let me just give you a few for today. This one comes from Jennifer who says, from Auburn, Alabama, even though I used to write poetry, short stories when I was younger, I never considered myself a writer. That is until fairly recently. Thanks to the constant inspiration from you and your listeners, I started my own blog. I also began writing a small mathematics manual for general chemistry students. I just wanted to say thank you. I've been listening to your podcast and reading, rereading your books for a while now. 
between you, Michael Hyatt, Dave Ramsey, Chris Lacurto, I think I may just figure out this thing called life. I wish you and your family nothing but the best. Please know that when I count my blessings, you're among them. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for that sweet note of your own success. Luke from Indiana says, what if we could change the dash on our tombstone represented the years of our life to an exclamation point? Dan, I listen to every show and love what you're doing. I love that idea. I love that idea. Why does it have to be a dash? Boy, have, have your birth date and then an exclamation point and then the day you died. I like that idea. You know, a couple of years ago, some friends of ours here, some people who are very active in the 48 Days community, Kirk and Debbie Dearman, um, went to a funeral and they heard a poem read that was titled The Dash. Well, being musicians, songwriters, they have a long history of songwriting, they thought that dash ought to be put to music. So they came home and did exactly that, put it to music, did a little research, discovered that the the author of that poem is still very much alive. They contacted her together. They went to Mac Anderson at Simple Truths, and that became one of the little gift books that Simple Truths is so popular for. It's called The Dash. You go through, you read the poem, and in the back is an audio CD. Well, it's a, a CD, and it is Kirk and Debbie doing their song version of The Dash. It's a great way to put legs on what they recognize as an opportunity there. But it, it's The Dash, and The Dash is that little mark in between your birth and your death. What did you do with your dash? But hey, I like your idea, Luke. I love that idea. Let's make that dash an exclamation point to really let the world know you did something with your life. It wasn't just maintaining like a dash kind of indicates. No, you got out there and knocked it out of the park. Great idea. I'll help promote that idea. You know, of course, I'm not going to have a tombstone, so it's kind of irrelevant there, but there'll be other ways to identify well, you know what? I mean, with any author, you show the day he was born, the day he died. If we have Shakespeare, we show that. If it's Abe Lincoln, you usually show in parentheses if you have a quotation from that. So I'll just pass the word that if anybody wants to uh, even talk about like 48 Days to the Work You Love After I'm Gone to have an exclamation point between my birth and death dates. Cool idea. Well, Nate says, Dan, thanks for having such an amazingly helpful voice through a difficult time in my life. I have finally found peace that I never would have thought possible. Reading No More Dreaded Mondays and 48 Days to the Work You Love, along with the weekly Positively Pick Me Up podcast, has been instrumental in this piece. I shouldn't forget Dave Ramsey for teaching us to become debt-free. After all of that, I left my home church to pursue my passion for sound engineering. Turns out I'm really good at it, and it brings me immense joy to work so hard for the people to hear my work. I never would have found the courage to step down from my leadership position at my church to be a simple technician if it were not for your steady voice of wisdom. Of course, God's timing was impeccable, as now we have two boys who need my love and attention. My current occupation gives me the ability to support my family as well as give them the time and attention they deserve. Hence, this is why I'm not at Innovate at this very moment. We considered attending as my birthday present, March 20th, but sometimes our family values cause us to wait for the kids to be a bit older before leaving them for a week. 
In a few years, we will finally be able to make it out to Tennessee to visit you and Financial Peace Plaza to celebrate and get inspired for whatever else God has in store for us next. Wow, what a great note, Nate. And hey, I'm you're, you're totally right. I mean, we go through seasons in our lives and we can't do everything all at once. And maybe now's the season to be there for your boys. I commend you on getting a position where you put skills behind your skills behind something that actually creates a reasonable income for your family. Come see us and innovate whenever it suits, whenever it's the right season in your life. We did just have a another excited gang here. You know, every time we have an event here, it seems there are things that are once in a lifetime experiences we could never duplicate again. And that's certainly did. We did not fail in that this time. Of course we did the unveiling of the new Eagle. That was kind of the highlight of this particular one, uh, but had some other things that occurred in that as well. Um, well, well, here's an example. Joanne, my wife and her friend, Dorsey McHugh, the artist did a presentation. Well, we knew they were going to do presentation. They talk about how to release your creativity. Well, I did not know that a couple of their friends from their art class on Wednesday morning decided just to show up to hear them speak. Well, two of those were Gail Hyatt and Patsy Claremont. You may recognize Patsy's name as one of the founding speakers of Women of Faith. She speaks in front of big audiences, has an amazingly uh, humorous presentation, always just a delight to be around. And then Gail Hyatt, wife of Michael Hyatt. So they were just here. Well, it ended up they got up in front and started talking with Joanna Dorsey as well. Well, people were blown away to have those particular ladies in the room, let alone you know, presenting and then hanging around talking to us. We also had uh, Ken Davis, who is a comedian, presenter, high in demand. He came and did a presentation on how to do a night, how to do a dynamic presentation, how to take your core message and really share that. Well, those are things I don't know that we'll ever be able to duplicate again. I mean, those weren't orchestrated. They just happened. Probably never duplicate those again, but uh, another amazing time. So whenever you can join us for one of the events that we have here, whether it's our open houses or Innovate or Coaching with Excellence, our Coaching Mastery Program or the other things that seem to happen here, feel free to come on by. We guarantee that we'll make it a memorable once-in-a-lifetime experience. Well, this comes from Christy, who says, I read that you and Joanne take an annual Christmas trip to Chicago every year. Now you don't have to wait until December for a taste of Chicago. I'm not sure if it's 312 Pizza or 312 Pizza. I don't have heard of it. Pizza Company is opening in Germantown in Nashville later this month. Wasn't sure if you already knew this, so I wanted to send an email. You can check them out. The pizza looks great. I'm looking forward to going. I thought you and Joanne might enjoy it as well. I hope of all as well. The launch looks amazing. I enjoyed the video you sent. I love the outstretched feathers on the tip of the wings. Scott Stearman's work is incredible. I marvel at how he creates the sculptures and distributes the weight so they can stand. Yeah, we've got that eagle standing on a big boulder out here. I just had a load of dirt dropped in again today, another one, because I'm continuing to expand the area of landscaping that I want around this eagle just to make it a real dramatic focal point. Have it up in a big boulder that I got out of my neighbor's property. And, you know, having good relationships with neighbors always comes back to pay you well. well people said, well, gee, how are you gonna, he's not going to let you have that. Well, my gosh, my neighbor wouldn't have been happier if he'd won the lottery than to know that I wanted a rock that was in his field. So we got it here. 
And then, of course, other people immediately assured me that we could never drill a hole and that couldn't be done. Well, Scott Stearman, the sculptor, came. We got a big power drill, and yeah, we spent about two hours. We drilled a six-inch hole right straight down in, dropped the base of that eagle down in there, filled it with epoxy. It's there solid. You couldn't move it with a bulldozer at this point. Had had a lot of fun with that. Well, anyway, we're going to go with that for our champions of the day here. We are the champions. Those are the success stories. If you want to share a success story, just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You can leave it there, or you can just send it directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Either way, if you've got a question you want to submit, you can do the same thing. Just shoot it to askdan at 48days.com. So we'll go with that as the champions. Love to hear those stories. Keep them coming. Got to get this in. All right. There we go. Okay. This comes from Tom. Now, this is interesting. I'll just make a brief comment on this. Tom says, please, oh, please watch this seven-minute interview and then comment in an upcoming show. Now, I'm familiar with the clip. It's a clip just recently of Sean Hannity interviewing a surfer dude and the surfer dude wears really cool clothes. He has nice hats, long hair, jewelry dripping off his body, drives an Escalade, and he uh, doesn't have a job and he gets food stamps and has government supported health care. Well, he, he, can, he thinks it's kind of cool to be able to do that. And, and it, he really, he's not subversive. I mean, Sean had him on there and it's just like, how can you do this, dude? You know who's paying for your food stamps and your health care? Well, the guy says, yeah, I mean, he, he loves the opportunity to live in the United States of America because it's so easy to do that. Well, of course, Sean hammered him, you know, it's not fair. He's able-bodied. He's just mooching the system. And the guy says, well, it's set up like that. He's not hiding anything. And Sean was like, well, you know, you don't generate any money. He lives, the guy lives with a friend, but he gets $189 a month in food stamps and that buys his food and he just hangs out and plays music. Now he also drives an Escalade that he says belongs to the label, whatever that means. So he's got some tentative deal working, you know, for his little band to get going. And he just says, I'm living a dream. Why would I do anything else? And Sean said, Hey, if I can get you a job driving a truck, making $80,000 a year, would you take it? And the guy says, no, certainly not. Well, what do, I th- what do I think? Yeah, I think the system's kind of whacked. You know, I, I really do. Now, years and years ago, this is years ago, obviously, but when I went back to get my master's degree, some of my classmates said, hey, go down and get food stamps. I'm like, what are you talking about? Obviously, I can't get food stamps. They said, well, sure you can. So I did just to see, is the system really that whacked? Now, here's the deal. I mean, I told them everything. I had just sold our house. We had money in the bank. Now we did this so I could go back and get my master's degree in clinical psychology. We sold our house. We had money in the bank. I sold my Jaguar XKE, one of the old long nose convertibles. I sold that. So we didn't need anything, but because I was making such little income at the time, we qualified for food stamps. Now I thought it was preposterous. I was 
My tuition was waived because I had a graduate assistantship and I was making $200 a month stipend. In addition to that, we had our cut our living expenses to nothing. But again, we had money in the bank. We were not destitute by any means. It was a choice to go back to school. It was a choice not to have a lot of income during those two years. But we qualified for food stamps. Yes, I thought it was preposterous. I still do. We did go in. I got them, gave them away to a friend. I don't remember what we did. I, we gave them to somebody I think really needed it. But I thought, that's ridiculous that the system allows that just based on personal choice. So, yeah, do I think the system's whacked? Yeah. I do. I don't have any easy solutions. And the guy was absolutely right. I mean, it just allows it. But I think, I think we make it too easy to be a sluggard, too easy to do nothing. Yes, I do. Well, Lori says, how do bloggers make money by publishing a list of free Kindle books? Are they like lost leaders at the grocery store designed to draw traffic toward other products and advertising? Yes, you nailed it. You hit it on the head, Lori. Exactly. Yeah, they, they can give away free Kindle books by what they're doing is just providing a valuable service. Now, there's a new book out. I got it laying right here in my desk by Gary Vanacek. You've probably heard me mention him before. Uh, he wrote the book Crush It, but he's a kind of a leader in the social media marketing space. And his new book is titled Jab, 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 Right Hook. Now, it comes from a boxing metaphor, and the principle is give, 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 ask. That's what these bloggers are doing. They give, give, give. So when they ask for something, then their readers are saying, well, yeah, I like and trust this person. So I'll go ahead and do that. So that's what it is. I mean, we do a lot of the same at 48 days. We give away tons of resources. I mean, even the podcast like this. I mean, I try to put a lot of value in, give you links to real resources and all those kind of things. Just give, 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 help you get ahead. And we hear the testimonials. Well, what that does is it builds trust and rapport. There's nothing secretive about that. There's nothing manipulative or deceptive about it. It's a matter of building trust and rapport, which is the first part of any sales process. So then when we promote an event like Innovate or Coaching with Excellence or tell you we're going to go on the cruise next February, I mean, then people say, well, yeah, gee, you know, he gave, 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 so I can trust this thing that he's asking me now to buy. That's how it's done. Sarah says, I'm out of a job, a six-figure salary. It's a good thing. I now have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur, to do some meaningful work for the next 20 years. But today, I realize I'm afraid. I'm not confident I can do this. I felt all my life that I'm not smart enough. Even after multiple graduate degrees and work promotions, I've set up a management consulting company, but months later, I do not have one client. I have three months left in my severance pay. How do I make things happen before I can't pay the bills? Should I join another consulting firm to learn the ropes, get a shrink, or just go do it? Thanks for your help. Well, he offers some pretty broad options there. Just do it, get a job, get a shrink. Well, you could do any of the above. It's hard to know that there's one right answer, but you, you've got to get over the hump. You've got to get in the game. Now, it concerns me a little bit the way you frame your question here. That being, I've set up a management consulting company, but months later, I don't have one client. Should I join another consulting firm to learn the ropes? Well, if you don't know the ropes, then why did you set up a management consulting company? I mean, if you really don't, if you can't deliver on that, then certainly it's questionable why you would have set up a business to offer that. 
can't just call yourself a management consulting company if you really don't think you've got the goods to deliver it. And with all the self-doubt that you're, that you're listing here, you really set yourself up with some big obstacles. You've got to have some little bit of success. I mean, little success breeds more success. We know that. I talked to a lady today who just sold her first piece of art. And I said, you know what? You can call yourself an artist now. You really are an artist because you sold a piece of art. So hold your head high and that ought to open the door and give you confidence to start selling more and more art. But you got to you got to get over that first hurdle. And if you're having this much trouble and you're that close to running out of severance, yeah, maybe you need to get at least another part-time position with a consulting firm so you can have that ongoing success to at least give you more confidence for getting out here on your own. Bruce from Durham says, I'm always encouraged regarding your Mennonite background and what you have thought through to be comfortable producing and profiting from content you create. I'm a campus minister at a top 10 university and it's not going well. A few years into the job, what I feel most days is despair. I get by by far the most fulfillment from opportunities I have to speak at other churches, retreats and conferences. Within my denomination, I'm being requested more and more. My wife, mentors and friends strongly affirm my gifting for such settings. I dream about speaking and creating content full time. I have 10 years of church and parachurch ministry and can finally admit to myself that I'm simply not a pastor and don't want to be. That said, I struggle with where to begin creating prophets ministering to Christians apart from a typical church setting. Any advice for me? Well, you don't give a lot of details about what it is that you are speaking about, but in general, my advice would be instead of just trying to minister to Christians, make money, just, just minister to pe- people, just minister to people and see how your audience will expand. I think when you narrow down, well, I, for one thing, I will agree with you. I think that's a really tough target market to sell anything to and make money. I mean, I've never focused specifically on the Christian market If we track the book sales that I've been privileged to have, about 23% of those go through what we would consider Christian outlets. The rest are through normal outlets. But I don't try to just identify people whose faith perspective lines up with mine to simply just sing to the choir, so to speak. I would encourage you to look at what is your message. I mean, I don't care what it is. If it's one of, you know, how to enhance your leadership, management skills, if it's parenting or marriage skills or finding hope or finding purpose or your calling. I mean, any of those things don't have to be narrowly targeted to just one denomination or even just one particular faith perspective. And I think you'll, I think you'll, Find yourself having more boldness, optimism, enthusiasm, and courage if you see that that message is applicable to a broader scope of people. And it also really opens the door financially. There's no question about it. I mean, when I talk to business people about the kind of things I do and coaching to help people, I mean, I don't require them to fill out a long form to know exactly what they think theologically. I mean, I just want to know that they're a fit in terms of how they think, period, for being candidates for opening up new opportunities that I'm going to guide them into and doing that. 
I'm, I would encourage you. I mean, what happens is a whole lot of people end up really frustrated in trying to promote to one tiny, tiny niche audience when that audience isn't used to spending money anyway. Now, now there are ways to do this. Incidentally, um, you know, crystal pain is an example. Crystal pain has money saving moms.com. So you go there, her audience are, are penny pinching, coupon cutting, and non money spending Christian women. Okay. Now I know I did a broad swipe of generalization there, but in general, she would agree with that. I'm sure. So she doesn't make any money from those people, but she makes a whole lot of money from people who want to have influence with her target audience. So she makes money from all the coupon vendors that she promotes. She makes a whole lot of money from those people. So if she's promoting a a coupon at Walmart, she gets paid well for that because the people click, click through and she gets a penny here and a penny there. And it adds up to a whole lot of pennies. I mean, like uh, seven figure pennies with what she's doing. So there are ways to do that. Uh, but, and you've, you've got to have a clear strategy for how to do that. Well, I'd love to just back up and spend a lot of time there. We need to move on here. This is probably a good time to remind you. That, hey, if you've got a question you want to submit, be happy to consider that for an upcoming radio show. Just go to the 48days.com link, click on the podcast link there, and you'll have an opportunity to write your question. You can speak it, leave it verbally if you want to. As you can tell I go pretty fast. I don't often include the audio messages because they take too long to unwind, but I'd be happy to listen to it, condense it into a question anyway, or you can just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Well, this comes from Mikkel, who says, I run a carpet cleaning business. I've been in this business for about a year and a half, but I'm having trouble getting my name out there and getting more business. I know the base, you know, to talk to property managers and realtors. And I've even used living social, which didn't work. Also, I know I need to separate myself from the competition. I love your show. I love your unique answers for complex questions. So what would you do in my shoes? You know, I've got another Let me grab another um, carpet cleaning question here from Alex. We'll group these together because my answer is the same. Alex says, Dan, just wanted to say thank you for doing the free podcast. Love the show. Love your book, 48 Days, the work you love. My question is this. I'm in the process of opening my own oriental rug cleaning and repair shop near the Nashville, Tennessee area. We believe that we should move somewhere that we love and not just go get a job. And we've wanted to move to that area for quite a while. My problem with this though, is that I feel like the market might be a little oversaturated in that area. How do I find the area that is right? Should I find somewhere that's better for my job, but less appealing to my wife and my taste? Hmm. Alex. Well, okay. So we got somebody who's in the carpet cleaning business, somebody who's in the carpet cleaning and repair business, higher end carpets. And the question is, how do you market in a particular industry like that so that you're essentially the only player? Now you can do that. Now you've heard me talk about my yard beauty manager. You know, I put a little ad out on Craigslist that I wanted a yard beauty manager listed some characteristics I was looking for. I had about 53 people respond to that. Yeah, it seems to be kind of the number. I think I had about the same number 
what respond when I was looking for a bookkeeper. But anyway, well, I wanted a yard beauty manager and I had a whole lot of people who were desperate for the job and assured me they would work harder than anybody else. And they would pull every weed in the property and two miles radius around it and on and on. Well, and then I had one young guy who totally ignored the parameters I had set up for how many hours it would take and what I would pay. He simply came out and looked and talked to me, asked me about my vision for what the property would look like. A couple days later, he came back with about a four page proposal to me about how he would just take care of things, not just during the summer, not just following a list of things that I would write down for him each week, but he would just take responsibility for making this a show place year round and do the things required that I didn't even know were necessary to do. And he gave me a flat monthly fee where it doesn't matter how many hours he, and I said, Oh my gosh, you're my guy. I mean, he so quickly separated himself from the competition just by doing those things that showed me he knew what he was talking about. There are ways to do that in any industry. Now you guys are asking about carpet cleaning. If you don't know the name Joe Polish, you should. Joe Polish is the founder, president of Piranha Marketing. Now, you probably have seen Joe's, if you get Success Magazine or Inc. or Entrepreneur, Fast Company, any of the big business magazines, you're going to see full page spots from Joe these days because he's no longer cleaning carpets. He's promoting his genius network. It only costs $25,000 a year to be part of his genius network. But he's got people in there like Richard Branson and a whole host of other big names. He knows marketing, but he started in carpet cleaning. That was his business. He was a carpet cleaner and he thought there ought to be a way to separate myself from the competition. And he did exactly that. Now his program, Piranha Marketing is the number one marketing program for the last five years through Nightingale Conant. Nightingale Conant, the big company in Chicago that has programs from what I consider the masters of achievement. And I've been privileged to do a couple programs with them, love their stuff, been a student of theirs for years with the programs they have. Joe Polish, Piranha Marketing. I would encourage both of you guys to get that program pronto. He goes through the marketing strategies to set you apart from the competition. You know, he's got things in there like how to permanently eliminate the need for face-to-face selling how to dominate your industry and effectively become the only provider of your particular product or service. Now this sounds like a lot of marketing hype. I agree, but, but Joe delivers. He really did that in his own carpet cleaning business and he can tell you exactly how to do it as well. It's really not that difficult. I mean, when when we look at any industry, I mean, I tell authors all the time, you know, 95% of authors never make more than $40,000 a year from the writing. Well, does that discourage me? No, not at all. I simply ask myself, how difficult could it be to put yourself in that 5% where you knock it out of the park? All I have to do is do what 95% of the other authors are not doing. And I've done that for years. You can do the same thing. You can do what 95% of other carpet cleaners are not doing and put yourself at the top of the pack. That's my recommendation. Get Joe Polish's program on Piranha Marketing. Just go to Nightingale Conant. And look for Piranha, like the fish, Piranha Marketing. You know, he's got things, how to reach more people in one hour with one phone call than you could normally reach in a year. The $80 investment that generated $8,000 of business in one week. 
Anyway, I won't go on. You go look at it and make your own decision, but that's what I would do. And yes, you can distinguish yourself from the other players there. We have a lot of great service people around here that we use. And we sometimes go through several to find that gem, find somebody who really does stand out in their field, but boy, they can be found. I mean, the gals Joanne has that help her clean the house. You know, they're, they're amazing. I mean, the last time they were there and we, you know, used them for a long time, but the last time they were there, she said, I don't know what they did to those little pans under the burners on the, on the stove. But she said, it looks like they're brand new. She said, do you think they really replaced them? And I said, no, I, I'm totally confident they did not. But somehow they know how to clean those things. So it convinced you they were brand new. But they do things like that without even being asked. That's the kind of people that we want. And they separate themselves from the other people doing that. Trust me. Well, Johnny from Covington, Georgia says, I know you've mentioned it before. But what kind of audio equipment would you recommend getting started with for narrating audio books? I'm bidding on a few ACX projects for narrations, but I do not have any recording equipment other than what is on my iPhone. Any suggestions would be great. Thanks for all you do. Now, just for those of you who are listening who may not know what ACX is, that's Audiobook Creation Exchange. And what you can do if you have a reasonable voice, you can go bid on projects to do the audio uh, books and other projects, narration. I mean, people like my buddy Pierce Mars. I've got a, a clip. I'm not going to have time to play it today, but a clip that he did for our upcoming cruise, the Ultimate Advantage Cruise. But he's got a great voice. It does voiceovers for a lot of people. And if you've got a voice like that, you can go to acx.com and bid on projects. So Johnny's saying that he's bidding on somebody needs better equipment. You can... Your iPhone, you know, certainly you want something more than that if you're going to actually do projects. You can, if you have a PC, you can just download Audacity, and that's an audio program where you can then edit your audio. You can put in little music bumps at the beginning and end if you want to, tweak it, and do a pretty professional job with just that free program. I'm on a Mac, and I use Soundbite. So Soundbite is the program where I load all these little little clips in there, you know, so you, you hear these things, you know, that I just drop in at any given time. So if I want to bring up, it's a beautiful day. It's easy for me to do that. So if you're going to do audio recordings, you want to have a program that allows you to do things that, you know, that really separate you from the rest of the people. A lot of people have okay voices, but you want to separate yourself by the quality of the work that you're going to do. So now, if you're talking about equipment, to really get equipment, well, you know where I'm going to go with this. I mean, my buddy Cliff Ravenscraft, audio or podcast answer man, that's where you need to go for equipment. I mean, everything that I've got here came directly from him. He set it up. I wouldn't even try to think through putting all the pieces together. Now, I've got multiple pieces on mine. You may not need that much just to do simple audio recordings, but yeah, you ought to have a decent sound mixer, a really good mic, you know, the little Ederall recorder where you can then pull it into your computer and again, edit that. I mean, you need some basic pieces. So if you're really going to do this as a living, look at one of Cliff's packages that you can get. I'll put the link in, in the podcast notes, but it's podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. And that'll take you right to his list there. And you know, for 1500 bucks, you can get really, really great equipment that'll certainly separate you from the pack. 
Great question. Well, Brian from Fresno says, Dan, what are your thoughts about recontacting a company that may or may not have responded to a previous 48 days job inquiry? Being in sales, I don't consider a prospect as dead until they tell me to stop calling. So I'm not against calling them again down the road. In the same way with my job search, I'm not talking about stalking a company, but I don't want to cross them off my list either just because my previous attempt wasn't successful. If I do try again, should I change anything in my approach? Thank you for your thoughts, Alex. Well, Alex, you can, no, that's Brian. You can go right back to that same company. No problem at all. Think how quickly things change in a company. The human resource director you talked to six months ago may be long gone. The department head for the sales organization where you would want to get a job may have changed last week. I mean, things change. They always do. The other thing is they may have needed to make a hire a year ago and they narrowed down to five candidates and you were one of those. And then they made a decision. I mean, you may have been ranked pretty high when they saw your name come across before. No, you can go back again and again and again. Absolutely. Things change. I mean, any company of any size, any company that has more than 50 people, I mean, you can, you can apply with different people in the same company. You don't even have to depend on one contact. You can de- apply to different departments. I and mean, I, I hear from people all the time who are trying to get into Dave Ramsey's company and geez, they pull out all the stops. You know, they apply to six different people, six different times and uh, continue that. And a lot of times that works for them. I mean, being persistent can go a long way, but no, absolutely no problem at all. Going back to a company that told you no, even if it was three months ago, you can go back again. Now this, I love this note. This comes from Anthony. who says, Dan, on your most recent podcast, you mentioned that you're creating mini books to release along with a new edition of 48 days to the work you love, which will address special challenges that people face when looking for work, such as recently released inmates or recent military veterans. I was wondering if you have considered creating an addendum geared specifically toward the recently disabled. If so, I I would like to offer you my help in researching and or creating this content on a volunteer basis. As an attorney, I've represented approximately 1,000 individuals seeking Social Security disability benefits for both physical and mental impairments. While I enjoy the work I do, I'm astounded at how many people with disabilities have simply given up on life and believe they'll never be able to work again. I would love to lend you my expertise and help you create content that could help people with specific mental or physical limitations to find meaningful and profitable employment. Thanks for all you do. I really appreciate your weekly podcast and books. Well, I've already responded to Anthony. I'd love to have his expertise in that area. And that is one of the areas that I really do want to do for those who are disabled. There's a book by Richard Bowles who wrote What Colors Your Parachute. It was written back in 2001, so it's been quite some time, and I don't know that it's been updated, but it was titled Job Hunting for the So-Called Handicapped or People Who Have Disabilities. It was very well done, and I'm not sure why it's not been updated. If it If it has, I've overlooked it, but I used to refer a lot of people to that. And it's certainly a timely topic and one I'd love to have an addendum. Now, what I plan to do with these addendums is to have the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love, which will be released in November, and then have, we've got about 12 or 15 topics like recent inmates, recently military veterans, disabled, recently retired, 
the new college graduate, the high school graduate, homeschooled candidate coming into the workplace. I mean, a lot of those topics and what I intend to do is just have like 60 or 70 pages in those little addendums. So not the entire content of 48 days and not a new book, but an addendum. So they're little paperback addendums for those specific target audiences. I've been wanting to do that for a long time, getting a lot of requests for that. And yes, Anthony, thank you so much for your generous offer. And I'd love to have your expertise in that area, as you obviously have a lot of specific work in that area that I do not. Thank you for that. Okay, Randy from Ohio says, I've always loved the idea where you would sell advertising on phone books and donate the books to churches. Now, what I did, I've talked about one of my, one of my little ideas that I launched with a $10 investment uh, to get a little leather-covered telephone address book, took it to a church and said, if you give me the names of business people in the church, I'll get them to take out ads on the inside covers of this, and then I'll give you a 1,000 copies of the little telephone address book for free that you can give out as a very quality, you know, high-perceived value little telephone address book that you can give out. Well, that idea worked, worked really, really well. And Randy's saying that he took off on that. I've, I've updated this plan and I'm, I'm on my way to making $11,000 in one deal with local schools. How cool, man. I love it. Well, listening to your last podcast, you were talking about different ways to monetize a cake shop, making videos and other ideas. Would it be possible for me to sell my business idea? How would I market that idea? And what would be a reasonable price point? I was thinking it would be possible to do 10 to 12 deals a year. So would my business plan have a reasonable price of $9,900? I've looked up other plans online and the prices vary greatly. I do not want a franchise, but what should be included in my business plan? Thank you again. So he's talking about what I've described is where I purchased from a bookstore one little, it looks like leather. It's just a high grade vinyl telephone address book. Now, we don't use them as much anymore, but I'm glad Randy has still found a, a market for that. And then sell ads on the inside cover, the inside back, and the outside back. And in doing that, it would generate enough money to give the organization a thousand free copies. And I'd still put, you know, four to six thousand dollars in my pocket for each project of those that I did. And I used to be able to do those in about four or five days. So this was years ago, but Randy's updated that. Yes, you can sell that as a business idea. Once you've done it yourself, you have a perfect prototype for then selling it as a business idea. And theoretically, you, know, you can make a lot of money selling it as a business idea. I did exactly that. Again, this was many years ago, but I took out one little line ad in Entrepreneur Magazine. I sold the business concept as I had framed it, where I would give them two copies of the book and just a, a thorough plan for how to do that, how to target a prospective customer, you know, then go out and get the ads, a script for my sales pitch and the whole thing. Probably still have it somewhere, but I put an ad in and I sold it for $480 as a business opportunity. And I sold about 32 of those over about 90 days. Never did it again. Again, I, I do a lot of things where I don't maintain well. I like the thrill of the challenge to start something up. And I did that with that. Ran at one time, sold about 30, 35 of those. And uh, just went on. I didn't continue it, but it certainly was a profitable way to do that. I think $9,900 is a little pricey for this. I mean, there are a lot of franchises. Now, here, here's how this goes. 
When you have just an idea where you've proven what you've done, but it's an idea and you can show somebody else how to do it, that's usually couched as a business opportunity. You've done it. You can show them how to do it. Okay, boom. A franchise is heavily regulated. If it's a franchise, it implies you're going to get an upfront fee and then you're going to get an ongoing royalty. So if somebody has a Subway or Burger King or Taco Bell or or McDonald's, they're going to be paying a royalty. And usually that's about 10 to 12% of total gross revenue. Those are highly regulated by the government. So if you're going to call it a franchise, they're going to come looking over your shoulder. Now, if you'd sell a business opportunity and require ongoing royalties, they're going to come looking over your shoulder and say, you're selling this as a franchise, even though you didn't call it that. And we're going to smack you into the next, next city because of what you did. So don't get in trouble with that. But that's part of the reason I think $9,900 is pretty pricey. There are a whole lot of franchises you can get and franchises are seen as having in general, a higher value than a business opportunity. $9,900 is pretty high priced for business opportunity. And here's the deal. Now, this is how you can look at it, Randy. I think it's easier to get 60 people to spend $495 than it is to get three people to spend $9,900. Now, if you do the math on that, 60 people at four ninety five, dollars you know, people aren't going to think a whole lot or come back and bug you if it doesn't work out. Four ninety five, dollars that's $29,700. If you get three people at $9,900, that's $29,700. But trust me, those three people are going to expect a whole lot out of you because of their spending that much money. Okay, I'm going to skip through a whole bunch of questions here because I have time for one more and I wanted to get to this one. (laughs) Dan, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I'm looking to start an exotic car rental company like Franklin. My city has an affluent population. Most are retired looking to enjoy Florida weather with the top down. There are some services that already deliver the rental cars, and I've seen enterprise rental cars spring up their exotic branch as well. But I think there's plenty of room for competition. I was thinking of using my current job income to incur a car loan, approximately $50,000, $60,000 to buy a used Porsche 911, drive everywhere with signs on it to do my publicity, rent me, etc. This would allow me to live out my dream of owning a Porsche while deferring the cost and hopefully turning this into a business I can do full time. Would love to hear your thoughts on this concept. Here, here's a little bit of my thoughts on that concept. I think it's a whole lot of money to have tied up in one vehicle. What that means is if that one vehicle goes in the shop, which Porsche 911s are going to do, trust me. And when they do, it's not cheap. But if that's in the shop for three weeks, your business is at a standstill. Wow. If you took, if you want to be in the car rental business, I'd spread your, uh, spread your business a little bit. If you took 60,000 bucks, my gosh, you could buy 12, $5,000 cars and have all of them in service and be getting a whole lot more income than you're going to get on one. Now I know, I mean, I, I like you share your enthusiasm for high end exotic cars and I've rented those, man. I love renting those. We, Joanna and I will go somewhere and yeah, we, you know, we rent a Jag or a BMW or a Porsche or something like that. They're fun to do, but, um, make sure that you are looking at an entire business plan. 
does the business plan make sense? When I was in the car business years ago in California, I mean, I used to have a tendency to, uh, you know, get a high end car. So I'd get a, you know, Mercedes and it's $20,000. And then I'm thinking, good grief. I could have 10, 10, $2,000 cars set in here and ultimately make about as much on each of those as I'm going to make on just that Mercedes. I got to get my head out of the clouds and just thinking it's fun to deal in those kind of cars and look at what is going to make the business successful. Now, I agree that having some kind of a unusual car rental business can be really profitable, but I think unless you have a whole lot of capital to work with, if you have to go borrow the money to get the one first car, no, I would say, no, don't do that. You're going to eat into your profits and have too much liability, too much exposure in trying to start a business like that. Start with something fun. I mean, rent dune buggies. Golly, I, when, when, when I had a motorhome rental business, I had people asking me, oh, wow, I'd like to take my motorcycles with me. Well, it didn't take me long to figure out. I went out and bought four motorcycle trailers. They cost me $425 and I rented them for $35 a day. Now you do the math on that. It takes about 12 days of rentals before they're totally paid for. No engine, no electronics, nothing to go wrong. From then on, they were just simply cash cows. That's the way you've got to look at it. Well, we're taking care of business. We're out of time. Hey, remember, are you really looking for per perfection? Or are you just procrastinating because you're afraid? Break out of that. Hey, it's always a delight unpacking these questions with you. Thanks for being part of the 48 Days audience where we really are finding or creating work that is fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable.